Hello, everyone. This is Tommy at World at War Comics. Thanks for joining us today. We have another amazing guest. Today, we have Tyler Wentland of Alterna Comics. He is the writer-creator of Red Koi, um, King Swan, and a bunch of short stories. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Not only is he the writer-creator, he also is the artist, um, which is a unique balance um, when you're writing your own comic book. And we had a great conversation about this. So um, I hope you enjoy. But before we get into it, if you could give us a like and a subscribe, that really helps out the channel, helps us grow, and helps us bring content like this to you. All right, everyone. Enjoy. Have a great one. Well, hello, Mr. Tyler. Thanks for joining the show. It's great to have you. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm hanging in there, my friend. I appreciate uh, being connected with you and can't wait to get into uh, Red Koi and all the other things that you're doing. But uh, for those of you listening, if you don't know Tyler Wentland, uh, he is the writer-creator of Red Koi for Alterna Comics. And I'm sure there's a lot of other things that uh, hopefully we'll be able to dig into. But uh, we're really happy to have you. I uh, really appreciate it. I, I appreciate the uh, chance to be here. Looking right on, to man. So let, let's just jump right into Red Koi. We'll start there. Um, but man, it, it's uh, I got issue one. So I got turned on to Alterna Comics about a year, maybe not even a year ago. Um, believe it or not, I love comics. And for whatever reason, my local comic book store didn't carry anything Alterna. Yeah. Um, and then I started following Peter on Twitter and... Um, Man, I went to the website and I'm like, they had this deal. I think you purchase, I think it was $25 or 30 bucks and you get a bunch of number ones to yep. kind of like enter into the world of Alterna. And yep. here this popped up. So I, I literally have them in alphabetical order in a box and I got a bunch and I've been going through them. So I eventually would have got to you anyways. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I ended up doing um, um, Wes because of unit 44 and I was talking to mm -hmm. someone else who did a kind of a funny comic book, a humorous comic book. And they're like, Hey, yep. you got to check out unit 44, which I had in the box too. reached yeah. out to him and then got connected to you. So um, eventually I would have got to you anyways, but man, I I'm really impressed with Alterna and the comics that they produce the writing and everything I've read is top notch. Um, I love that old school feel um and man where do you buy comics that are a dollar 15 a dollar 99 anymore that's just very impressive i heard there might be a price hike to like 225 and i'm just like that's still half the price of anything less than i know twist my arm it. right <laughs> yeah exactly so let, let's start from the beginning um when where did red koi come from when did this thought of this uh comic come to you yeah so red koi was sort of at the end of um uh period of maybe a a few years where I had uh, started working a day job, you know, just a, a decently supporting uh, work. But I was I kept thinking in my head, you know, I've wanted to make comics ever since I was a kid. I've always drawn. I've always, you know, I was always like best artist in class or something like that. <laughs> and but I, I realized, you know, my stuff's not as good as what's on the shelves. And if I want a shot, I need to aim for that and see how close I can get. Yeah. So I took about a year and I put myself through what I called my own art school. And it was like, okay, I want to learn to tell stories. I want to learn to draw different people, places, things. I'm, how do I combine this? So it was like, okay, I'll work on short stories in mm -hmm. different settings. So it's like two old men playing chess in a city park, you know, great. I've, then I had one, it was like a Maasai warrior, you know, on the plains hunting a lion, you know, yeah. uh, another scene, one was, um, you know, uh, some gangsters in the city, something like that, you know, yeah. so it was like doing all this until it came to the point where I was like, okay, I, I think my stuff's up to par. Um, I won an art contest for Valiant Comics, had mm. a piece of artwork published in one of their books. Nice. And then I was like, well, I want to write and draw something. So I was like, I looked up what's the best way to, to get published when you start now. And it was anthologies. Yeah. And so I just, you know, did the great research of Googling comic anthologies and I came across <laughs> Alterna at the time uh, Pete was doing uh, these graphic novels full of short stories, but there was a um, contiguous theme throughout mm. them. So the one that I saw was superpowers mm. and I didn't really want to tell a superhero story because um, maybe, you know, in a similar way to you, I, I love superheroes growing up. They, but it's like, to me, the superheroes were already made. Yeah. And mm. so I was like, I, 
and I know that there are new ways to do them, but it was like, I just didn't see the way to do it in a short story. So yeah. what I sort of cheated and I did a retelling of Hercules first trial against the Nemean lion. Nice. And so uh, it got picked up and nice. um, Pete published it. And then that just continued for a few years. My goal was just to get something published every year. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was doing more short stories and then finally, I was like, I'm going to try, I want to try Kickstarter or Crowdfunder, mm-hmm. but I needed something. So my initial idea, I had a story of a, a Viking shield maiden. And mm-hmm. in, in the story, she was returning to a village and the village was ransacked by some monster. Um, but I made the mistake of not writing at first. I just started drawing and oh, just okay. tried to do that. But it didn't quite pan out, obviously. So I was like, all right, let me, let me pause this, you know, take a step back and one day I was looking at my bookshelf and I have a book called Yakuza Moon. And it's an autobiography of the life of a woman named Shoko Tendo. And she's the, was, is the daughter of a Yakuza boss. Mm. And so it's just her life growing up around these very dangerous men, this very dangerous life. And uh, she went through a lot. She comes out through the other side. Okay. But a cathartic experience for her at the end was to get this large um, traditional uh, Japanese tattoo on the back on her back of a courtesan. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool picture. Um, and I, so I was like, well, I want to kind of do a, a piece of art based on that. But I didn't want to draw a courtesan. So I was like, there have been female samurai. I'll draw just a female samurai. So I had her in the corner. But then I had this empty space on the paper. And I was like, okay, well, what? I drew a castle. And then like a, a haunted swamp behind it. I was like, well, what's in that castle? Yeah. And that's when it was like, ooh, like what kind of movie would I want to see? I want to see a samurai <laughs> dark fantasy creature feature yeah, haunted yeah. house story. Um, and that's, you know, that's where it started. And so I admi- initially made Red Koi to be a, a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. But it so happened that um, Pete, uh, publisher of Alterna, he, he and I live relatively close together. So. Uh, close to each other and so at a a comic book event I had my portfolio open and sort of skewed towards his table you know (laughs) he was gonna come over and say hi or I'd say hi to him eventually so he came over he's like what's this I was like oh something I've been working on he's like well maybe you send it to me and I was like yes okay (laughs) and so uh and at the time I think that was 2017 or 2018 um it's all a blur now, but Alterna was going through crazy stuff. Like the newsprint thing was happening. Mm-hmm. I think we were, Pete was stopping the graphic novels to focus on newsprint. And mm-hmm. so there was a lot of change happening. So it was a long waiting process. It must've yeah. been 2018. And so, um, but, but Red Koi was in the pipeline. Nice. And then in between there, Red Koi wasn't going to come out till 20, I think 2019. And so I ended up doing a Kickstarter for the Swan King mm. and the Swan King ended up getting picked up by Alterna later. And nice. he's also made his way into the latest issue of Red Koi. So it's all <laughs> all coming know, together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's awesome. And I love that story. So maybe we could kind of just dive right into it. Right. You, you have yeah. this samurai who's been gone for what, five years, I think, um, fighting a war in the South. Um, And a lot of things have taken place at home while she's away fighting this war. Um, And and I don't want to give too much away, although I think you're going into issue. Are you on now seven? So issue seven is going to be on our um, our August uh, pre-order campaign. And that campaign is going to launch June 1st. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Uh, and we'll get more into that too. That way everyone knows how to go and and, and join that campaign. But um, so it, we're probably not giving away too much by getting too much into issue one. Um, no, that's all but right. yeah, is it okay with you? Because yeah, it, let's it's do a it. Great let's talk about foundation. It. And again, I'm new to Red Koi, so I'm getting into it. And now I'm I'm like, I already ordered all the rest of the issues. I'm just waiting for the order oh, to come in. But uh, as soon as they come in, I can't wait to dig in because, you know, it starts off, she returns back to a home and the mother had passed away. Her father has passed away. And here they have this home that has been really managed by a couple servants Mm -hmm. um, that have been trying to maintain it as much as possible, but obviously without their Lord being there to give direction, right? It's probably not what she was expecting to return to. Um, And right away she meets the first servant and, and then like all of a sudden, like halfway through it, you start to see this other side of what's taking place there. 
and it gets really interesting. And I'm just, I'm like, okay, now I'm damn it. I'm hooked. So that's when I had to buy the rest <laughs> of the issues to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, but awesome. yeah, I mean, I mean, let me know if I'm leaving anything out, but that's kind of the foundation here. You have yeah. this warrior who's been fighting and she's gone through a lot and returning to a home that's much different than she left. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the, the story was kind of based on, I love, um, my, my favorite monster movies, creature from the black lagoon. Mm-hmm. But then I also have a spot, soft spot for like, like movies like Anaconda. Like yeah. <laughs> I love movies about just a little yeah. boat going up upstream. And so in this story, it's uh, this is a house that her father built while she was away. So it's a house she hasn't actually okay. been to, but it's her father's property. And as the inheritor of the family, you know, name and clan, she has to go put all his affairs in order so that she can continue serving who is now the shogun uh, of the samurai clans, Lord Kitagawa. And that, that comes in later issues. Um, so yeah, she's going to try to, you know, maintain their, their family name, you know, keep up appearances. And then she, she finds that this house, this place, this entire atmosphere it's all sort of strange and deteriorating, falling apart. And that's what I wanted with the story was just this kind of constant underlying tension building yeah. as you're kind of getting closer to the house and yeah. closer and closer. Like something's not quite right. Something's not quite right. <laughs> and then, you know, it kind of, it all snaps. Well, that comes across for sure. And by awesome. the end of it, right. Where, uh, you know, I'm at, I'm didn't even realize it was the last page and it says to be continued. I'm like, oh man. So it, I think you accomplished that and uh, really set up, I think, really nicely for the second issue. So I, I think the next question is um, as a writer, um, you obviously have your story written out, but you're also the artist. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it to manage both sides of that? Because I feel like that's, I don't know if it's right brain, left brain, but that is like two mm-hmm. different distinct skill sets. And mm-hmm. that, I think dance that you have with your artists is extremely important because obviously the words matter a lot in the story, but also the art has to tell a portion of the story that the words can't specifically in a graphic novel or a comic book, right? You, you got to have that good balance between that. So how are you managing all of that? Because it does, it's not that often that you see someone who's writer and the artist at the same time. Yeah. And I've always been attracted to um, writer artist types. I love Mike Mignola. You know, I, 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 like a lot of Sean Murphy stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, we were Bloom just talking about and, Todd McFarlane and for many Todd years, McFarlane, he absolutely. did both. Yeah, yeah. And he was probably the earliest um, icon of that showed me that that was possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I knew who owned Spawn because yeah. he said so, you know, in, yeah. <laughs> in all these interviews and documentaries because he was yeah. so proud of that. And I remember yeah. being a little kid, like you're not really supposed to care about copyright, you know, when you're a child. But <laughs> to me, I was like, that's I know who owns Spawn. Like yeah. I want to have that someday. Yeah. I want to have my my uh, character, but I don't want to lose it. You know, I want it. I want it to be mine. And so for me, I guess I always think of myself as artist writer because I've always um, drawn, but I've always wondered like what's the story behind the character. So I've always made notes mm. and things like that. And so for me, I do try to lean as much on the art to tell the story as I can. Yeah. And actually, it's when you read issue two i'll be curious what you think because when i had initially given sent in issue two it was almost completely just art oh and wow. Pete reached mm-hmm. out he's like hey um we need a little something more here i was like oh yeah sorry and the funny thing was like it was all up there but yeah. i just i hadn't said it i thought yeah. i was trying i was leaning too heavy on the art yeah. um he probably thought the- Wes was slipping, man. He's like, Wes wasn't available. What's going on here? I know, I know. He he had uh, he had those two pages, and he did great on them. Um, <laughs> and so, when it comes to the writing, especially with Red Koi, I found that I so I had the painting that I did, and I had the castle, but it wasn't. An, I couldn't just get into writing the issues. What I really had to do was to understand. Well, who is she? Mm-hmm, Why yeah. is she here? So then it's like, okay. Then we have our family level. Okay, well, what is her family bound by? Is this me trying to just tell like a story set in uh, medieval Japan or or right. is this something more? Like, well, I want to be outside of our world because I want to have the freedom to bring in little yeah. frog men and spider demons and yeah. all kinds of stuff like that. 
So then it was like, okay, well, then there's going to be a larger, there's going to be a, a value system. There's going to be a moral structure. There's going to be a religious element. There's going to be a spiritual realm around all this. There's going to be stories. And so then it just kind of kept growing. And then as I was writing it, things started coming out like, uh, you know, when in the last days of the long war, when the dragon Ryushin fell, you know, mm-hmm. to the great and terrible tiger Lord Shoki Kaigo. And I wrote all that. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know, you know, and yeah. I had, to, but I had to get as much of the story and mythology out as I yeah. could before I could get to her in the house, you know, trying mm-hmm. facing those demons and ghosts and things. And so what, but for me, the most important part of having that, the book is to make the worlds feel lived in. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, I think you can always tell when a character has just sort of been ham fisted into a book and they could be anybody yeah. you know they could be they don't really have a, a personality or an identity and i really wanted her to have a deep connection to this world and uh to be able to give you enough where you kind of sense that, that you know this this place is um it's instantiated you know mm-hmm. within yeah. that story mm-hmm. wow yeah, I mean that that certainly comes across too. Um, so as far as the artwork goes, so you're artist first. As you're writing the story, are you going back and forth, panel by panel, and you're doing the art and the 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 verbiage, and then going to the next panel, or are you writing the whole story first and then coming back and matching the the right panel or the art with the the storyline? How do you handle that? So I'll write the whole issue. Um, uh-huh. and a lot of times it'll change because yeah. mostly I'm just trying to take myself artistically through what it looks like. And then I'll put dialogue in when I know exactly what I want them to say. Yeah. Um, but I, I need to know where the whole issue is going to be. A lot of times I'll write too much and then yeah. I'll have two or three issues worth. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to try to condense those down or, or restructure them. But so yeah. it's like you can see in the back here, I got the current page I'm working on. But then this right here, these are my thumbnails. Oh, and okay. So I'll have those thumbnails up there and I'll constantly be changing them. Like I had yeah. a page last week and I looked up at it and I was like, no, it's not interesting enough for me to want, you know, to draw right now. So I'll go through and I'll look at my script again, see what I need to say. And then I'll go back to the thumbnails and I'll edit it around and chop them up and mishmash <laughs> them together. So it's it's always changing, but it's like I'll I'll make sure I outline to myself definitive scenes. Okay, you know, like right here we you know find out about this X Y and Z factor about her family, or um, this thing is revealed in this mm-hmm. moment. You know, yeah. so um, I try to make the make those main moments pop, but then give myself a little wiggle room as well. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing too is you know you talked about managing the story. And not mm-hmm. putting too much, um, like I don't know how to 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 frame this, but like, how much are you trying to say in each issue? I don't know if that question makes sense, right? Because it is an ongoing series, right? So this isn't like a, yeah. a twelve yeah, part series, right? So because it's an ongoing series, um, there's probably a little bit more freedom to say, you know, maybe I don't want to say this yet, and maybe I'll mm. hold this for the next issue. I don't know how often you're doing that. I I realize I've I've done it quite a bit. There's yeah. actually a list of things that I'm like, okay, I need to start getting some of some more of this stuff out because I I haven't gotten certain things out yet. Right. Um, so like you know she's in this world, but I haven't named the world yet. Yeah. You know yeah. I haven't provided a map. I'm giving glimpses of that. You know they're mm-hmm. in the east. You know yeah. like the Swan King's um, kingdom is in the west. Her war was in the south. So there is the there's a city. That's revealed in the, uh, so I'll say issues one and two are like part one issues, okay. two, three, and four, uh, issues three, four, and five, sorry, uh-huh. are uh, yeah. part two. Okay. And in part two, you learn that there is sort of a central city hub that all the empires kind of congregate to for trade. And okay. so the, the map is being revealed. Um, mm. but, but those things, they need names, you know, they, yeah, need, they yeah. need that revelation. Um, so, so are you war- world building as you go or do you kind of already have the world built out 
and you're just revealing it over time. Or as you're writing, you're like, wow, this would be really good to add. This is a good time to bring in the the West. And this is a good time to bring in the South and define that a little bit more. Like, how do you handle that as your world building? Well, it's funny because, so I had gotten as far as this other empire, um, mm-hmm. which is more of like, it's based on ancient India, sort okay. of, like mm-hmm. some of those cultures down there. I read about yeah. um, a, a kingdom down there that I thought was fascinating. And, uh, and I have this, have in the second part, this group of hunters mm-hmm. who are, are, are after Ico after red koi mm-hmm. and so i was like oh okay so here we have sort of a a nod to a, a different place and that's interesting but then later on uh pete had texted me one night and said hey what do you think about adding the swan king to the red koi universe mm-hmm. and i was like well now i can't stop thinking about it and all <laughs> night all yeah. night man i've like i've got my notebook you know by my bed and i'm getting up and i'm jotting down ideas and that kind of blew open another part of the world yeah. that I hadn't thought about because they were just separate characters in my mind at the time. Yeah. Um, but so now, you know, with that, it's it's opened up a lot of other parts that I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to to now bring together. So nice, I think nice. I'll I'll want to do an issue soon that's sort of like an issue just focused on those those components, those gaps. But I will say I do have the mythology the story of the samurai people mm-hmm. down you yeah, know that yeah, had yeah. major events but in this story you could say a lot a big theme of it is this concept of um i don't know if it's like pierce you know uh, lifting the veil mm-hmm. like the veil between the material and the spiritual yeah. world mm-hmm. um yeah and but that permeates everything it's not like you have the samurai gods here and you know you right. have the western gods here and you know it's all it's an entire mm. other lived in place that we're going to see the connections to nice. um, regardless of these different geographical groups does that make sense yeah yeah no it does and it sounds pretty interesting as well because i don't know i, I think world building in general is pretty amazing um, but very difficult to do. Um, but I, I, I don't know if this is your experience. As you start to do it, though, and, and like you said, you're waking up in the middle of the night, you're jotting down notes just off of what Pete said. But I think as you start to build it, I think that becomes more normal where you're like, wow, now you could add this and you could add that. I feel like world building isn't something you just sit down and do real quick and then you're done. Yeah. Um, right? I, I think, I mean, if you have that skill set, you're pretty amazing. Yeah. And, no, not and me. you probably already have a... <laughs> You know, you're probably going to have a TV show on HBO or something if you're able to do that already. But uh, um, yeah, I feel like it seems like the norm. I've never done that. But from what you're explaining, it sounds like a very normal process that uh, as you get feedback or as you start to build, like other ideas come in that make sense. And then that could be like another branch in that tree that you're building. Yeah, you got to spend some time in that place. You know, it depends yeah. where in the world I am and who I'm mm-hmm. I'm with. Um, right, good point. And and so I've got to so I've, I've got to kind of go there in my mind for a little while and ask those questions, but try to do it from the perspective of you know Icos people or do that yeah. from the perspective of the Swan Kings people because I also want there to be you know different people believe different things sure, and yeah. there's going to be you know. I'm not trying to do anything in the book that's like a cultural clash, but I do want to show that there are different cultures and some are alien to each other. For sure. Um, And I think historically we have all kinds of examples of those clashes that have taken place. Right. So I think it's very normal, especially in like, I don't know the age that this is taking place, but my assumption is during that time, most wars were because of those kind of clashes of, believing yeah. in different gods or maybe a different style of warfare or trade or whatever that happens to be. Right. Yeah. And then on like a, a way less like philosophical take, it could be also, I've just read about something really cool in history. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I've got a, I've got a character for that. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think course. I was reading about um the Korean turtle boats. Hmm. And they're these, like, they're the, they're these boats, the Korean built i think to withstand the the japanese um invasion mm-hmm. a long time ago but there are these boats that are like wooden tops and they've got and they like shoot arrows and f- 
fire out the sides and they've got like a That's dragon awesome. on the front. I was that like, sounds awesome. like, this is amazing. I need this. I need this in my book and in my life. So it's going somewhere, man. We're going to figure out how to put so that sometimes in. it's just that simple. I'm like, Oh, that yeah. piece of armor looks great. I need that. Um, but then to your point, you know, I just finished reading for the first time Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I, I've always loved the movies, but I never read the books. And so finally yeah. I read the books. And I was like, okay, yeah. that is world building <laughs> at a level. Oh, it's I crazy. Can't, I can't fathom. I'm glad yeah. it exists. Yeah. But it was also kind of like, okay, I'm, I've got, I know what lane I'm in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's next level. That's token, right? A token. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's next level world building. I mean, that's just. I mean, that's why he's lauded as one of the greatest, right? Of mm-hmm. being able to to build a world like that. Tolkien just next level, just next level. To Incredible. A, a phonetically correct language. Oh, yeah. Multiple languages. That's I'm just, just like, crazy. It's not, crazy. <laughs> no, I'm just going to have everyone speak English <laughs> and it's going to be fine. No one's going to. It's going to be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll get it. It's the common <laughs> tongue. They get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so we have. Um, Issue seven coming June 1st. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of, if you're not familiar with Alterna, like every, is it every month they have kind of a Kickstarter and you could, you could pay into that Kickstarter and you get kind of all the new issues that are coming up for all the different comics under that Alterna universe. Right. So yours would be part of the June 1st one, correct? Yeah. So it's, it's a, um, it or Indiegogo. Seasonal. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's Indiegogo. Yeah, so, but, so yeah, it's Indiegogo, but then also there's an option through the Alterna site. Yep. You can do the same thing. Some mm-hmm. people prefer Indiegogo. Some people like to go through the Alterna site. We're happy. Yeah. Either way, you, you want to support. Um, it was seasonal, but I think uh, Pete's moving to uh, s- certain months, whatever that month releases are going to be. Okay. Um, I'm sure he's, if he hasn't already, he's going to go into detail about that soon. But so this will be uh camping that launches june 1st um for the august pre-orders okay perfect august pre and uh red koi 7 will be on there um Beautiful. and red koi 7 completes what we could call like the third arc of the story oh. i could actually red koi 6 um is where uh the swan king came in ah okay you know yeah. so we had him on there and you know and so the the story that is that kind of introduces him into her world you know is in issue six and it that part's kind of concluded in issue seven but it pivots us towards the next chapter and the next place that we're going i kind of think of the story sometimes as just like almost like video games or like just i kind of think of them by the environment so it's like uh you know the first the first story was my haunted house creature feature you know <laughs> the second uh part is like it's half jungle runner and half hidden temple story <laughs> nice. you know and then this one this is like you know where for anybody that's read the the uh one shot of the swan king and never got an issue two this kind of serves as his introduction to red Koi, but also as an issue two mm-hmm. so we go into sort of an medieval vampire story nice you know something kind of like that and and i don't know i've got interests that are in some ways very particular but then also kind of uh general so i i just want to draw these characters in all kinds of different places and (laughs) i whatever environment they're in kind of gives the flavor to that that issue or that arc trying to move yeah. more towards i think west talked about this more yeah. towards episodic storytelling right yeah so i'm yeah. trying to get better about doing rather than maybe two issues to tell uh, an episode i'm going to try and get better about one issue for a complete episode even though it's moving the overall story forward yeah, yeah. you know just so a reader can get an issue like oh cool I, I know how that one ends we'll get ready for the next one yeah 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 no that's amazing um, let's let's go back into your your history, if that's okay, a little bit. Um, sure. What I would love to kind of talk about is that you, maybe you don't know your first comic book, but what was the entrance in the comic books to begin with? I like you said, it goes back pretty far, right? You started at a young oh, age. Oh yeah, ever since I could hold a pencil, I was drawing. Um, yeah. I have hazy memories. I think yeah. it was like 
a deal where if you got this certain kind of pop tart, they had a little mini Marvel comic book in it. Oh, and cool. I think it was like Hulk and mm-hmm. Captain America. Um, yeah, I liked the Marvel characters when I was really little, like especially Wolverine, X Men. I loved the big primary colors and things. Um, but that was like my first one. Like, I'm like, oh, cool. And I had this. Uh, I was like, who are who are these people? These characters. I want to <laughs> learn how to draw them. Yeah. And then, and I always loved Hulk and Captain America. Always had a soft spot for Captain America, especially. But yep. you know, it's, I think a lot of especially little boys have this experience. You see that Wolverine for the first yeah. time and you're like, <gasps> yeah, it changes this everything. Is, this is the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever been made. Um, it's like the it's, most violent thing that yeah. I could have experienced at that time. And it wasn't violent at all, but in my <laughs> mind, it was like next level. Like, Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. She's got claws that are serrated. Like and they a can go through trees. <laughs> He's so angry about everything. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Especially like you know that Art Adams style, like yeah, just big, yeah. muscly, detailed um, yeah. Wolverine, and that kind of you know led me into the X Men, and I always loved the X Men Gambit, yeah. all those. Um, so that was kind of the start, and I think it was like a oh, I talked to Fabrizio Aiello, who's done Horace H Hoover for Alterna, mm. and he he knew what it was. It was Sears had a deal, Sears department store had a deal where if like you'd get a box of 50 comics i think one year uh, some family um had gotten me this box of comics and i still have some of them it's all random stuff stuff (laughs) that you look through your collection like where did this come from like i don't know um but that kind of started it i i didn't have subscriptions though until you know i was much older and I, i but like in high school it's just we didn't have a place that was close enough but yeah. I was like, you know, it was X-Men, um, uh, Spawn was a big one for a long time. And then Hellboy was huge for me. Oh, yeah. Hellboy was huge because I loved superheroes, but, um, you know, I had a mind that I liked all different types of stories, always kind of dark and kind of creepy. There's always a hero. There's always a villain. Um, but Hellboy was something weird and something different. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. You know? And so that was a big one. Hellboy, that led to the goon. Yeah. That led to uh Oh, the Goon. Uh, I love the Goon, man. Goon is so good. It's it is and that was one where I was like, now I'm not a comedy writer, but yeah, yeah. it gave me an appreciation for funny books. Absolutely. Yeah. Real funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's so violent, so funny, relatable in a weird way. It yep. just everything about it is just i love the goon it's yeah no I, that, that was goon was an obsession for a while um <laughs> and and uh scott morse was a big one for a yeah. while he's a writer artist i love his yeah. graphic novels um also emailed them once or twice and he's a real sweet sweet guy but nice. he was really inspirational especially with his attitude where he's just like because he was an animator and he's always like yeah. look it doesn't matter what your day job is comics are so doable because they're cheap he's like yeah. if you can if you can draw and you yeah. can write he's like you can make a comic and you mm. need to do something for yourself if you're a creative person because if not you're you're gonna lose your mind <laughs> you know <laughs> this is a guy who's making cartoons yeah and he's still like i need to have my own thing out there so yeah that kind of was started the, me down the indie you know train for a long time um yeah. And that's kind of the path I've followed for a while. There's some mm-hmm. stuff from the big two that's gotten my attention over the years. I really loved sure. uh, Scott Snyder's uh, yeah. Court of Owls run. That was oh, just, so I just good. didn't know you could, I didn't know you could create a new villain in Batman and have it be cool. cool. No, it, it, was, it was very cool. It's probably one of my, I, there's a couple Batman ones, but that has got to be at top of the list. Uh, um, yeah. Scott Plus, Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo, Capullo on, on art. Oh, one of my favorite artists of all time. Same. Just incredible, incredible. I wanted to be Greg Capullo for the longest time. I got, <laughs> Don't I, was we all? At a, I know I was at New York City Comic Con years ago, a few years ago. I, I managed to go like four years in a row, and I'm walking through the sea of people, <laughs> and all of a sudden, Greg Capullo's in front of me. Oh, wow! And he's about like he's an average sized height, but he's just a house. Oh, he's, a, he's just he's, he's just yeah. a like a neck with shoulders, and yeah. all of a sudden, he's just there. And I just hand out like, 
love your work man he's like thanks brother and he like <laughs> handshake and we keep walking i'm like this is awesome, this is awesome. <laughs> it was it was nah, he is so talented it's just unbelievable how talented yeah. that guy is and his yeah. videos early on like when i was saying i was putting myself through the art school he's got tons of material on youtube just yeah. telling people like i read these books i did these yeah. things do this do yeah. that put yourself in this position while you're you know trying to get better and take and put the time in here he he and a few other people like through youtube kept me company yeah. and educated me as i was going through you know that's awesome that's awesome um so obviously great Capullo is at the top of your list of artists that have had an effect on you. What other artists can mm. you kind of point to and say that's that person had an effect on me and wanting to be a comic book artist? Definitely Mike Mignola. Mm -hmm. Definitely Akira Toriyama and Dragon mm. Ball Z. Yeah I, love, yeah. I was not big on manga growing up, but Toriyama stuff was always attractive to me. Yeah. It always stood out. It was always interesting to look at. His characters yeah. were always just so much fun. So I've got so much love for Toriyama. Um, Sean Murphy's stuff was huge mm. for me for a yeah. long time. I think he he's another one in that Capullo class where he's like, everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is something different and something very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Craig Thompson was actually one mm. he did he, that I got into a little slice of life stuff and mm -hmm. it was his his work like blankets that yeah. was that was pretty big and he's one that really introduced me to the uh the idea of, of brushwork oh okay. I was always kind of like I'll be a nib guy or a micron guy yeah. but he's the one that really kind of brought up the brush as a an option and, and I love using the brush yeah, uh, yeah you can yeah. see like my scrap scrap paper over there yeah from, yeah uh, brushwork, you know? <laughs> that's um, awesome that's awesome yeah one of the other artists that i've really come to love and mainly because it's probably my favorite superhero comic is invincible ryan otley um oh yeah he, he has a very unique style yeah. you know anytime he does art you know it's him by just looking mm -hmm. at it um but I, I really enjoy him and his work on the hulk recently has been pretty amazing as well Oh, cool. I haven't seen that, but I will mm -hmm. check that out. Yeah, check it out. In fact, uh, the last, I think, five issues, the writer of the Hulk, I'm, it's, I'm losing who it was, but he moved on to another book, and Ryan Otley, like you, then was doing the art, and he was doing the writing. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was his first kind of forte into writing, and, and in addition to art, and he did really good. I mean, he's such good an amazing him. artist, but I love Invincible. That's like one of my favorite comic books of all time. I, I don't know if you've read Invincible um, from Image, no. Robert Kirkman, um, who did Walking Dead. Um, you got to, it's, it is, I don't know how to explain it. It starts off and you feel like it's a Spider-Man kind of story, young superhero, right? Doesn't know he has powers, knows he's going to get powers because his dad has powers. And then his powers come in. I mean, it's just, it's kind of nice, right? It's very Spider-Man-ish at the sure. very beginning, and then it gets ultraviolet very quickly and it gets crazy and it's world building as well. Um, and I think uh, they had 144 issues and then Robert kind of closed that down um, mm -hmm. as part of his history. Now, obviously, I don't think he ever has to work again, Robert Kirk. No, probably not. <laughs> yeah, he's made a, a lot of money off of uh, Walking Dead and now Skybound is exploding. But anyways, um, uh, Ryan was the artist for a lot of that and he's just really good. Well, his stuff always stands out. Yeah. I haven't read Invincible, uh, but but I I mean it always pops out at me mm -hmm. when I'm there. I mean I'll always pick one up and kind of flip through and yeah, take yeah. a look. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So here you have this history of comics at a very young age. You've been drawing for a very long time. Um, you have uh, Swan King as a one shot. Red Koi. What other works that maybe I'm not familiar with? Um, have you done or is there other things that maybe you're working on? Maybe you can't share too much, but is there other comics that you you kind of have in your back pocket as well or storylines that could be a comic? So I've had a, a bunch of short stories published through Alterna. Okay. Um, and so I could actually just, so a lot of awesome. the, um, yeah. the graphic novel stuff mm -hmm. has, has, they're not putting those out anymore, but a yeah. lot of those stories have been, 
collected into um, these. Uh, it came out on the Wednesdays. Oh yeah. yeah, these are just these are short story anthology comics, and so all of these, uh, all of my short stories that were published in years past were mm-hmm. picked up um, in these, including, and I'll I'll just kind of point one out in particular. Sure. This story was called The Long Path. Oh, okay. And this is actually ties into the Red Koi universe. Oh, really? So I talk about, you know, the dark and terrible Tiger Lord Shoki Kaigo. Yeah. Oh, there is a bit of his story. Oh, he looks awesome, too. Yeah. And so this this one, you know, this was one where I had an idea um you know it, it was a short story i kind of wanted to yeah put on paper that's cool and you know and i didn't know what would come of it but you know it's a it's a window into the world yeah. as well and then um i've got my first story in uh well, i won't i won't do this all to the entire time my first. No, story, it's okay. I mean, we, we want to get to know you, and this is awesome, man. Hercules trial against the Nemean. That's Lion. the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in that same uh, book. Uh, what was it called? That, Wednesday. That's uh, in this. This is it. Came yes. out on a Wednesday. It came out on a Wednesday. So that's number. So I've seen that on the website. That comic. And so what it is is it's just a, a collection of short stories. Every yep. single issue. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they're all short stories, and then. I'm wondering one. when you come out with a trade of like your first 10 issues or something like that, if you can't add some of those short stories, maybe at the beginning that do tie into Red Koi, that way people who can no longer get their hands on it can at least have that portion of the story as part of their, I'm obviously well, saying ha- something you've already done maybe. <laughs> well, I'd like to do that. Um, what, what Pete started to do is the alternate giants. Yes. Yes. And so this is awesome. issues one and two. But what I wanted to throw in here for people who'd already bought those issues was this um, this backstory that introduces you to Lord Kitagawa. Nice. You could see that. Yeah. But yeah. So you, this is like a prequel story that shows you what sent Aiko out okay. from the capital. You know, to to this is where she asks asks permission to go to put her father's affairs in order yeah, and where she's given that permission. But then you kind of uh, see who it is that's now in charge of the samurai. Mm-hmm. And it's just this monstrous behemoth kind of mechanized looking <laughs> being. He's um, huge. He, he takes up the whole gigantic. panel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I was like, I don't know. It's funny. Cause you have these ideas sometimes where it's like, I'm not sure why he's going to be this way, but he's, he's going to be just obnoxiously big. Something's, something's going on beneath all that armor. We'll, we'll, you know, I've got to figure out what that is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the last story I had in a, it came out on a Wednesday. I I had a, a a gangster story. It's like, I managed to fit Irish gangsters, bikers (laughs) and triads into one story. And I feel like maybe thing. the maybe Goon had a little bit of uh, influence, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, oh man, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Zombies and gangsters in the same books. Yeah. Sold, Sold man. That was so, so good. It's, it's mostly it was short stories for a long time. Right now, yeah. I mean, you know, the only thing I'm working on is Red Koi. Well, I mean, um, you're so doing a lot of world world building, so I feel like there's a lot of doors that haven't been opened yet to that yeah. story. So it makes sense that you would focus there. I just want to make sure for our audience that we're covering everything that you've touched. That way, if they want to well, dig into it, they have that ability to do so. In issue seven, I'm glad you mentioned that because in issue seven, we open yet another door nice. to the North. <laughs> Sweet. And, and then we, we're going to be introduced <laughs> to more of like a, a Viking Norse kind of culture. Sweet. And they're going to play a role as well. And I and I um, nod to them in some of the uh, in one of the previous Red Quite issues. Okay, where you you realize that they have been um, pushing the boundaries of another empire, and mm-hmm. the samurai are are being called to you know help support this empire. And Aiko has um, got a role to play in that that she's yeah. not too happy about. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. But yeah, but the issue that's and I posted it online, but there's this uh a just this big behemoth, you know, all the all the 
best Viking stereotypes that oh for sure you have to you read an article and people are like you know Vikings weren't really adults like, no no just no, let no, me no. have my thing come on don't ruin huge. this for me I, I want these... big horns coming off the helmet I don't care if that really wasn't part of it you know that's right his <laughs> axe looks like you couldn't even lift it like an inch that's <laughs> that's how obnoxious it is so exactly um, that's exactly. the world I'm playing in in uh that's the world we're getting into after uh, issue seven. Oh, I love, I can't wait for you to have, you know, Northeast, Southwest, and then a map that kind of shows what that world looks like with all these different, you that know. Is uh, this piece of paper right here. That's my draft for a map. Nice. Right there. It's, it's, it's yeah. slightly outlined. We got to get it done though. You're, I'm a very right. visual learner. And yep. so a map is going to really help me understand what's going on a lot more. Well, now um, I got to so, do it, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, you got to. Yeah, can't because I, I'm so important to how you finish your comic, man. You got Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Man, Tyler, um, I cannot wait for my – it says it's been shipped, so I'm just waiting for, you know, the, the shipment of the rest of uh, uh, Red Koi to, to show up. But I, I cannot wait to get into uh, – all the way up to issue six, and I'll definitely be part of that that seven by because uh, man, awesome. I'm thank you. I'm enjoying it, and I want to I want to take the ride with you, my friend. This is awesome, man. Thank you very much. Thank you for reading, and I'm I'm yeah. definitely you know curious what you think. I want to get yeah. your reaction because there's there's certainly an evolution as mm -hmm. it's going, you know, because I started this my first um, you know long form work after doing short stories. But like yeah. the arts continue to evolve, the story is mm -hmm. continuing to evolve. Um, so I'm always, I always tell readers, you know, that I that I re meet at shows or mm -hmm. please tell me what you think. I want to know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm always interested and, and really appreciate you, uh, you know, signing up for the, the campaign as well. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, I'm do. such a, a big fan of Alterna, man. I just, I love the business model. Um, I love the access that almost anybody who loves comics has with alternate so cheap. Even the shipping is like everything about it is affordable. And uh, you almost feel like you need to support it just because of the price point, all this stuff. But then you get into it, man. I mean, Wes's unit 44, your red koi. I mean, can't kill Kate. I had a blast with that comic book. <laughs> like it's just, it's amazing. The, the level of professionalism that takes place with Alterna. And that's why I had to reach out to Pete and said, Pete, man, you're doing something right that I think a lot of people could learn from because uh, you're pumping out a lot of really amazing stuff. And Red Koi is definitely part of that. So congratulations on your success. Um, if people want to follow you, how do they do that? I mean, do you, are you on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those things or? <laughs> uh, I stick mostly to Twitter and Instagram, just okay. at Tyler Wetland. Uh, you know, whenever you yep. get on there, you'll, I'll be the one that has this little guy as my gotcha. avatar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I try to post something every day, um, you know, little insights to the book and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and then uh, tylerwentland.com, just my name.com yes. is my website. And I've you can go there. I've got my own site store if you want signed issues. Um, I've got, you know, a couple, uh, a bunch of character, you know, bios on there. And yeah. maybe it'd be worth checking out. For and then sure. if anybody reads or has questions about the book or just wants to say hi, you know, I, I, I love hearing from readers and, and curious people, so. Very good. And as far as uh, trade shows, is there any coming up where you'll be attending? I don't have anything on the schedule. I just did a free comic book day at my local shop, though. Nice. Um, and that was my first event since uh, last year. I mm -hmm. got to, um, I think it was Plastic City Con um, okay. in Massachusetts down here. But it was great. You know, it's fun. Yeah. Meet new people. And sure. Free comic book day is always exciting. People are always yeah. happy to come out and say hi. So Nice, nice. Well, Tyler, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I would love to do this again. Absolutely. Um, you know, timing's everything. So you let me know if you have some big news. I would love to have you back to share that news with everybody. Um, but we're here for you. We want to see the success of uh, Red Koi and the worlds that you're building around that. And uh, yeah, if you haven't read Red Koi, I'm telling you, it's the 
for the price, for the story, you're not going to get a better deal than going to Alterna Comics. Or you could go to tylerwentland.com and you could get all of your uh, Red Koi information from there. But uh, please support our indie creators. Um, one last thing I want to talk about, and I try to talk about this a little bit with everybody that I have on the show. Um, what is your sense of the current state of comic books today? Hmm. I feel like I'm so in my own world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I may, not, okay. I may not have a good sense of that. Most of what I pay attention to is indie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So wh- of... why don't we reframe the question? What is your sense of indie um, today and the strength of indie? I think it's the the place to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, people are struggling sometimes, the big two, and they seem yeah. like they're struggling to kind of find what they're trying to do. Yeah, uh, there's always going to be something for those characters. People are sure. always going to love those foundational. I love those characters. I do too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if people aren't, if some people are feeling like they're not finding their footing with those characters, you yeah. know, there's a way to go in terms of indie, and people are doing amazing things. You know, Kickstarter, yeah. Indiegogo yeah. have broken the door open in so many ways there's so. so much cool stuff to check out and then a lot of publishers are getting in on that too um so you'll find like i this is just a maybe a fun example but i'm a big mike turner fan i loved mike michael turner you know yeah, as so yeah. many of us did and when um aspen put out the big michael turner collection a few years ago like oh, I think it was like his his Aspen work, Soulfire, yeah. all of his stuff in a yeah. big they and they crowdfunded it. Yeah, and they I, I can't remember how much money they raised in like one day because <laughs> those of us who were Mike Turner fans from back yeah. in the day were like, yes, absolutely, you know. <laughs> so I think that that's just provided a place for smaller comic companies too to to find a way to to put their stuff out there. But even those mm-hmm. of us who, um you know people who don't have a company behind them mm-hmm. there's just that room so for me i think indie is the place where a lot of great stuff is coming along i just read this book the other day it's called all eight eyes oh yeah it's like us yeah. like i have this. it right here yeah it's sweet man yeah. i was reading that i'm like dude this is exactly what i wanted like <laughs> yeah. weird spider creatures have always been hunting people yes of course yeah. that's true <laughs> it makes perfect um, sense yeah, why not? But I was like, I love this. And there's yeah. nowhere else it could be done than no. indie comics. So Yeah, agree. Agree. Yeah. Well, Tyler, thank you for joining the show today. We were really happy to have you. And uh, man, until next time, uh, we wish you the very best, my friend. Thanks, Tommy. Appreciate All it. Right. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye.